The Jesuit School of Theology at Santa Clara University equips students to live out their theology and transform our world. Generous scholarship opportunities are available. Priority applications are being accepted now. To learn more, visit scu.edu forward slash JST forward slash hello. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Well, this morning, Pope Francis met with journalists who cover the Vatican. He thanked them for their patience, saying they are building bridges of knowledge and communication instead of divisions and diffidence. On Monday, January 22nd, Pope Francis met with a group of about 150 international journalists covering the Vatican. Our very own Vatican correspondent and my co-host on this podcast, Gerard O'Connell, was there. We'll tell you what the Pope had to say. Mi viene una preoccupazione, una preoccupazione vera, almeno qui in Italia. Pope Francis has called on Italian politicians to create the right conditions to reverse the country's declining birth rate. He's warned that pets were replacing children in many households. Next up, the Pope has again made headlines for talking about declining birth rates and calling for people to have more children. On this week's episode, we discuss how these comments are being received around the world and put them in dialogue with Francis's other comments on births and children. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a sunny but cool Rome, Colleen. It's beautiful weather. We haven't had a sunny Rome in a while from you. <laughs> All right, Jerry, let's talk about this meeting that you were at yesterday, the day before we were recording, Monday the 22nd. What was this meeting with the journalists and and why was it held? Well, because the executive committee of the Association for International Journalists, which I'm a member, asked the Pope if he could grant us an audience. And uh, we were offered an audience and originally scheduled for 10 o'clock and it happened at 8 o'clock in the morning. So we had to get there very early, Colleen. 6.45, we were standing by the colonnades to get in through the bronze door. Oh, before sunrise. Jerry, now, I have seen some conflicting comments, so maybe you can clear this up for me. I have seen some people saying this was the first meeting of its kind, others saying maybe not the first, but unusual. But what is it? Well, in 2021, he gave a award to the dean and to the vice dean of the Vatican Press Corps, one Mexican journalist, Valentina Alzaraki, and Phil Pulella of Reuters. But not all the journalists were there, only those who were invited by both of those people. This time, he met 150 journalists, which is quite a lot. And he, he came in, read a little speech, and then uh, spend the next 40, 50 minutes greeting each one individually. That's the thing that was most appreciated. His speech was very positive about the role of journalists, but he's spoken several times about the role of journalists over the years. He's complimented them for the work they do, and again, he thanked them. He, he said, you're my traveling companions. Which is true. I mean, you're always on the plane with them. Yeah. Also, uh, he gets to know individuals, and also they're histories, their families. People ask him for things. For example, this time, Eva Fernandez, the reporter for the Spanish Catholic radio COPE, she gave him a piece of a shipwrecked boat that had arrived on the Canary Islands. And she said the people on the Canary Islands, the authorities, 
and the bishops, they want you to stop over when you visit Argentina. And so the Pope said, the idea has been in my mind. He, so he didn't exclude it. Jerry, are you willing to share what you and the Pope talked about? Well, I said to him, Juan Pablo and Carolina, my kids, that they send you greetings. Which is another testament to the fact that he knows your family well. I mean, he has for a long time, but he gets to know the families and the names of the other journalists. I wanted to ask you for a little bit of context. like How does that stack up against the, the previous popes that you've covered, John Paul and Benedict? Well, John Paul II, I've only remembered one time when he came to the Vatican press office, I think it was 1999, to announce the whole program for the Jubilee year 2000, the millennium. But he didn't really meet the journalists. He shook hands with one or two as he was going out, but there was no direct contact. I, I met John Paul II many times, but during audiences which he had, etc., Benedict never gave a press conference of that nature. He would meet some journalists, but I don't remember actually him meeting many of us on the plane. I think some maybe once or twice, but it, it wasn't his style more or less. I, I met Benedict again many times when he gave public audiences say, to heads of state of this kind when I was in on the pool. This is when a, a few reporters are chosen to be in the room. Exactly. Maybe two or three with some cameramen. But Francis has gone out of his way really to meet people. Mm -hmm. He enjoys meeting people. Let's talk a little bit about the message he delivered. What were some of the standout points to you? Well, the first thing was he said, your work as a journalist is, is a vocation somewhat like that of a doctor. You deal with the infirmities of humanity. You touch the wounds and you try and report on them. And then he emphasized the importance of being attached to the truth in what you report. Interestingly, he quoted Pope John XXIII, now saint, and Paul VI, now saint. He quoted the two of them, their comments to journalists. John XXIII spoke about the need for journalists to work to build bridges of communication and overcome divisions. And that's really a message that's so relevant today. But it was at the time of the Second Vatican Council that he was talking about that. Yeah, these are the two Vatican II popes, right? Paul VI and John XXIII. And he quoted Paul VI saying that he had fondness, esteem, and trust for what you are, what journalists are, and what you do. And then Paul VI also warned, and he quoted this, against categorizing church happenings in our reporting in terms of political and profane categories. So why do you think it was significant that he quoted these two popes? Well, Francis has seen part of his mission as Pope to continue the implementation of the Second Vatican Council to bring it to fruition. He says we're 60 years on. It usually takes about 100 years to implement a council. And then it was quite relevant because remember when John XXIII spoke, it was at a time soon after the Cuba Missile Crisis, when there were still strong divisions in the world. And Paul VI's father was also involved in journalism. Yeah, he always had a, a feel for communicating, Paul VI. He was also the Pope, of course, who started the foreign trips of the popes. Yeah. And, you know, we've mentioned the foreign trips a few times. They are a key point of connection between journalists and the Vatican, especially under this pontificate, where Francis is always doing these press conferences on the plane, which are unusual or unprecedented in the way the journalists get access to him. I'm not sure that most people know that it's the journalists who in part fund the papal trip. You have to pay a lot to be on that plane. And that that is part of how they offset the expenses. Was that always the case, even going back to Paul VI? Was it always that these papal trips were 
so tied up with journalism? Journalists went always on the paper trips. Yeah. But Paul VI was the pioneer for this. Paul VI was very keen that, and this was at the time of the Vatican Council, that the image of the church was not distorted according to the needs of the market. Right. We would call it clickbait or sensationalism. Francis really connects with these two popes, but especially with Paul VI. And also quoting an Italian journalist, Luigi Acatelli, whom I know quite well, who turned 80 recently, Francis was quoting a journalist who was very much in touch with what happened in Vatican II. Yeah, I really liked the quote from him, actually, that the Pope read. This is the like a Vatican expert who reports on the Vatican. He defined it as, quote, a job that is fast to the point of being ruthless, twice as uncomfortable when applied to a high subject such as the church, which the commercial media inevitably bring to their level of the market. So referring again to that sensationalism. And then he talked about how in so many years of Vaticanism, I have learned the art of seeing and narrating stories of life, which is a way of loving humanity. I've learned humility. I've encountered many men of God who help me believe and remain human. So I can only encourage those who want to venture into this journalistic specialization. And as somebody rather early in, in my own career in this, I found that encouraging. Yes, and it's been my experience as well that in, in reporting on the Vatican, I remember people said to me, this is a really, why are you doing that kind of work? It's pretty boring. <laughs> but I, I say you're in touch with first of all, all the countries of the world. And you meet some great people. I've met Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I, I, I could list a whole lot. Of, and also on the trips, you, you, you meet some of the modern heroes who, who don't make the front page of Vogue or Time magazine, etc., but really who are having an impact on, on their home country and humanity in a very big way. Jerry, I want to name a tension that does exist here. We've talked about how the Pope was warning against sensationalism. He also warned against ideological coverage, so trying to make any Vatican story that comes up fit into preordained political left versus right, which don't really work when applied to the church in every case. The Pope has not always been super positive on reporters covering the Vatican. For example, when he was talking about one Catholic media station that was widely interpreted as EWTN, he referred to their attacks on the Pope as the work of the devil. So I'm wondering how you square these two messages, this very positive one that came out, but also the fact that he has been critical to the point of calling the work of some journalists the work of the devil. Well, if you go to read St. Paul's letters, you will see that Paul has some very positive things to say and some pretty negative things. Uh, really, in, in terms of this, Francis has been strong that if you don't stick to the truth and try to understand the message of the person, you, you risk distorting, you risk misinforming people. We have seen some of this in, in Francis's papacy, which other papacies didn't have to face. Benedict XVI, to a certain extent, had to face it, certainly in the second part of his pontificate. But with the real tsunami of social media now taking over and newspapers declining, you see a different kind of reaction to papal messages that you did not see in the past. What we have seen and what he was referring to in relation to EWTN was certain programs in which are very ideological and which clearly have little sympathy for the Pope and yet presenting themselves as Catholic. He had problems with that. Secondly, Francis spoke about humility. I remember my own wife, Elisabetta, and I quote her here. She says, I am not the news. And Francis has repeated this story, that it is not 
the presenter that's the news. It's the information he's communicating. He's the messenger. He's not the news. But some media figures put themselves as the news. And this distorts the reality. Francis says he wants reporting that touches the wounds of humanity and helps to heal them, not to make them worse. Right. I have the quote from him here. He says, journalists are obliged to base their work on the solid rock of responsibility in truth, not on the fragile sands of gossip and ideological readings. That really sums it up well, I think. Jerry, I also want to mention, since we were talking about families and children and everything, the Pope did apologize. He says, for the times in which the news that concerns me in different ways has taken you away from your families, from playing with your children, that is very important. He says he always talks about the importance of being around your children. And I got to say, as a new mom who has occasionally been editing stories in the nursery while watching my son, I really appreciated that. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with some of these themes of reporting and interpreting the Pope and also the importance of children when we talk about the Pope's comments on birth rates. Stay with us. Io chiedo che a San Giuseppe la grazia di svegliare le coscienze e pensare a questo, avere figli. Meeting with Italian leaders to discuss the demographic winter in countries such as Italy and Spain, Pope Francis called for policies and initiatives that favor a work-life balance and offer stability. Pope Francis said the alarming reality many women face is that their jobs will be in jeopardy or they won't be able to continue working after they give birth. The Holy Father said the solution is a more supportive and tolerant work environment. Every few months, Pope Francis is all over the headlines for commenting on birth rates. Maybe the most memorable was in 2022, when he called having dogs and cats in place of children a form of selfishness. The 85-year-old pontiff recently said prioritizing pets over children is selfish. In the last year, Pope Francis's viewpoint has converged at several points with that of Italy's far-right premier, Giorgia Meloni, as both have responded to Italy's record low birth rate of 1.24 children per woman, one of the lowest in the world. Now, Maloney has backed a campaign to encourage at least 500,000 births annually by 2033, so in 10 years, which is the rate that demographers say is necessary to prevent the Italian economy from collapsing by growing the working age population while the retiree population continues to grow. And just this month, the Pope echoed Maloney by calling for a ban on surrogacy. I know that there's a lot of different issues at play here, Jerry, but I wonder if you could just give me a sense of how politicized the issue of declining birth rates in Italy is. Is it fair to say that the Pope is a conservative in terms of Italian politics on this? I wouldn't say that. The declining birth rate is an issue that has preoccupied not just the present government, which is giving a strong focus to it, but also previous governments. Because in the last 10 years, from 2014 to 2024, Italy has lost 1 million in the population, come down from 60 million, it's now 59 million. So the projection is we're getting an aging population, we're getting few births. Last year, for example, you had just under 400,000 births. You had 700,000 deaths. They're closing childcare centers, elementary schools, junior schools. They've closed 2,600 of them in the last few years. And so there's a real concern that the population is growing older, 
the future working population will be smaller. How will we be able to pay the social security for people? Francis, when he talks about the birth rate, he is essentially addressing the question in Italy, but he's very conscious that it's an issue in other parts of the world too, like China, with South Korea, and even, even the United States. It's, it's an issue that while he's talking locally, it has reference globally. And Jerry, while we focus very much on like Northern Hemisphere, you know, well-developed countries, um, this is a global issue. Worldwide over the last 50 years, the global birth rate has fallen by half. And I know that some people have raised concern about overpopulation. Francis very much doesn't believe that that's an issue. In Laudato Si, he very memorably said that the problem is not people having too many children. The problem is that people in wealthy countries are not living lifestyles that are sustainable for a world that needs to support all these people. Yes, and as he says that there's the resources of the world are adequate to support the population we have, and even more, it's a question of how they are distributed. Now, let me ask you about this, because at least in the United States, when people talk about declining birth rates, it's often paired with this sort of reactionary attitude against demographic shifts, right? Demographic shifts towards racial minorities, people from other countries. I know that in his recent interview on an Italian TV show last week, the Pope stressed that migrant receiving countries like Cyprus, Greece, Malta, Italy, Spain, he says they don't have children, they need a workforce. And he advocated for a balanced European migration policy. And Maloney, who I was talking about earlier, advocates for a very strict immigration policy. I guess, why is it not as simple for the Pope as just letting in more migrants? Or is it? Well, there are two factors here. First of all, Italy has received about 300,000 a year in recent years and is continuing in this trajectory, even though the present government came in with the program to reduce migration. It really hasn't done that much to it because the companies, they need people. And many Italians don't want those jobs anymore. You've got a, a rather complex situation. You don't have labor force adequate to deal for companies and for the rural area. You have, on the other hand, the native Italian population who really are aiming at other kinds of jobs. One of the reasons for the low birth rate, there are several reasons. One is the question of housing. It's difficult for young people to get mortgages. The jobs that are paying, many of them are low-paying jobs. Many of them are part of the gig economy where the work is precarious, short-term work. So it's very difficult for people to build future lives. In fact, there's a high percentage of young people between the ages of 18 and 34, about 70% are living with their parents still. If your salaries are not great, you're going to have a child, you have to have childcare if the woman is going to work. So the cost of having a child is not indifferent. No, I'm certainly not. And if you have this paired with these low salaries, these gig economy contracts, a lack of affordable childcare, childcare centers closing, which means that the ones that are left can jack their prices. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I also read in a report from the Associated Press that one thing that weighs on Italian women is this tradition of women usually having the burden of caring for older parents versus men not having that so much. There's also another factor, is that people want a certain style of life. What do you mean? Francis says often you want a car, you want a, a certain ki kind of fashion, 
And obviously, you're talking about a middle to upper level category of person who is aiming at a higher standard of life. Okay, so I want to try to tie this all together because we've covered a bunch of different things in this discussion. Like, we have on the one hand, this cultural shift towards Italians want to have a higher standard of life, well-paying jobs, certain comforts of living, right? Have a car, have a nice apartment. At the same time, you have these economic factors that are limiting the abilities of families to have children. So you can see how combined with the the cultural shifts towards maybe wanting to have a, a nicer house, nicer standard of living, how those come together and make having kids not really an incentive. And then we also have this question of migration, of bringing in more migrants to fill these jobs, which there are different views on in Italy. Obviously, it's a very heated issue. And then going back to all the news coverage of these comments, it plays in the U.S. as the Pope hates dogs. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Pope thinks that you're selfish for having pets instead of children, even though you can have both. I have both. So yeah, I just what what's the big takeaway here? I mean, does the Pope just hate dogs? <laughs> well, first of all, in, in a sense, the, the Pope is pointing to a reality that people do have pets and they invest a lot of money in pets. Yes, he always tells this story about someone he knew taking a walk and seeing a lady pushing a stroller, and then he looked inside the stroller and it was a dog. <laughs> He's told that story a million times. On the other issue, which gets much less focus than the dogs, is the Pope's push on the investment that the governments are putting in armaments, which could go for education, for healthcare, for elimination of poverty. But that doesn't make the news as much it, the dogs make the news. And, and this is a, que a question of how news is presented and what is seen by those who control the news as newsworthy. This is going right back to what we were talking about in the first part. But yeah, I mean, I get why that is, right? Like if a lot more people have dogs than are involved in the arms trade. So if they feel like there's a personal connection that the Pope is saying something about them, then they're going to be interested in it. Well, they're personally involved in the arms trade because you pay taxes, I pay taxes. And sure. I, it, the arms trade is being funded out of our taxes. Yeah, but people are not thinking about that as immediately as they are about their dogs. Ah, but this is the question. What is the media trying to do? Why is it focusing on one issue and not another? This goes to the heart of communication. And Francis is challenging what is being communicated to people. Because what's communicated to people, also about immigrants, is what creates kind of public opinion, and which is what drives voters. Yeah, and we've seen Francis use his papacy to make visits to countries that usually wouldn't be in the top priority list for popes to visit. They're places with tiny Catholic minorities like Mongolia, right? Which we just covered this past summer with 1,400 Catholics. He uses them because he knows that he's got this plane full of journalists who are going to come, who are going to make the world pay attention to Mongolia in a way that we ordinarily don't. I remember when we went to Iraq, that should have been a story that really resounded. Because it's still in the firing line today. The Iraq war was back in 2003, and the country is still a mess, and then you have Syria beside it, and now you have the Holy Land. And Francis says, are we touching the wounds of humanity in our reporting, and are we telling truthfully what the reality is? One thing that I really liked from the Pope's talk to the journalists that I have also learned in kind of my own experience is really important in reporting is 
this effort to understand where someone is coming from. You know, I, I usually think of this in terms of like getting out of the way of the story, right? I'm not the lens you should see the story through. I need to try to understand in in the case of what we do a lot, where the Pope is coming from, even where the Pope's critics are coming from, who we often cover. And when it comes to declining birth rates and the dogs and whatever, I think it is helpful for us to, to take a step beyond the the headlines about Pope Francis wants you to get rid of your dog and and look at, you know, the, these real issues that are underlying it. I think Francis is touching on issues that are of importance to all young people. Because the question of having children is a question with young people. The question of having a job that gives you a dignified life is a question. The question of the lifestyle you choose to live is a question of young people. And I, I think this is, uh, Francis keeps returning to what he calls reality, not ideas. Right. This is one of the key themes of the Francis pontificate. Reality is greater than ideas. He says it all the time. And as we've talked about this, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that the problems in the U.S. and Italy are not that dissimilar. These are definitely issues that, that resonate with my own experience, the experience of other young people in the U.S. So this is not as local as we might like to think. All right, Jerry. Thanks, as always, for taking some time to talk with me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. There are always many questions to be dealt with. And I think this is going to be a fascinating year because given Francis' agenda and given what we see on the horizon in this war-torn world, we really will not be lacking in stories. All right, Jerry. We'll be here covering it all together. Thanks. And one quick headline before we go, on January 25th, at the end of the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity, Pope Francis and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, are expected to formally send forth 25 pairs of bishops, an Anglican and a Catholic from the same region, who have promised to pray and work together, usually on a joint charitable project. This is repeating a similar project from 2019. These teams of bishops will have seminars in both Rome and in Canterbury, England. You can read more about this and all the stories from today's show, as always, at the link in our show notes. It's at the bottom of the episode description in your podcast app. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. It's produced by me and Ricardo da Silva SJ. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. With production assistance from Delaney Coyne, our O'Hare Media Fellow, and Vivian Richard at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. To keep up with the latest news out of the Vatican, please follow us on X at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also follow me on X and Instagram at Colleen Dully. That's C O L L E E N D U L L E. And you can follow Jerry on X at Jerry O Rome. That's G-E-R-R-Y-O-R-O-M-E. Please consider becoming a digital subscriber to America Media. Just click on the link in our show notes. It's easy to do, and it is the best way to support our work here on Inside the Vatican. And if you have a little time to spare, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.